Ramble. I don't really like doing chores around the house. I'm going to be honest with you. And I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging. And that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for her job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees, even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters, especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try Audible audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days you can't be eating pistachios in the middle of the podcast honey put the pistachios down put your hands in the air and put the pistachios down what i say put the pistachios down It's down. I can literally see you reaching for the bag. They can't see you, but I can see you reaching for the bag. Speaking of eating, I mean, I guess you can eat your pistachios now because once this entire podcast is over, you probably won't have an appetite for days because I don't have an appetite at all. This (laughs) eat the booty like groceries is going to take on a whole new meeting. Kiss my ass is going to take on a whole new meaning. I mean, if y'all like butt stuff, this podcast might ruin butt stuff for you forever. You got something to say? You have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking at me so shocked. He keeps opening his mouth looking like he's about to say something and then he stops because... Because I just want to say honey. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, butt stuff is about to get ruined for every single listener this week. I'm telling you, this one's confusing. This one takes place in Paris, France, all the way to Japan, all the way to at one point Iceland. And you have this one person in the center of it all. He even becomes so obsessed with, I mean, I don't really know how to say it. There's this weird porn movie. Imagine a criminal. Imagine a cannibal who murders somebody, eats them, and then gets away with it. The court of law knows what he did. The police know what knows what he did, but he gets away with it. And then he goes on to write books and to star in a porn film. (laughs) Exactly. You're speechless. I'm telling you, I'm ruining butt stuff today. That's the motive of today's video. Butt stuff. Done. Finito. You're not going to have it anymore. You're not even going to have an appetite after this one. So let's start in Paris, France. So imagine there's this guy by the name of Issei Sagawa. Now he's Japanese, born and raised in Kobe, Kobe, 
It's how they say it. I want to say Kobe, Kobe beef. I think that's why they call it Kobe beef. And I didn't know that Champagne France was a region in France. Oh, he 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 went from Kobe beef to Champagne. No, but I didn't know that Champagne was region in France. I thought it was literally just a type of alcohol. I didn't know it was right. named after the region in which it is made. And because I am so uncultured, I had no idea. I didn't know China also means plates. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought it just meant my fiance. <laughs> We're both mistaken. <laughs> and uh, so there's a guy by the name of Issei Sagawa. Now he's born and raised in Kobe, Japan, but he's going to move to Paris, France when he's 32 years old. And I'm going to drop you in the center of the crime. We're just going to get into the. I mean, I really have to be careful with my word usage in this one. We're just going to get into it. Y'all, get into it. We're just going to dive straight into the cheeks. What am I saying? Why doesn't the book... Cr- why? <laughs> no. Why doesn't... To- <laughs> why can't the toilet paper cross the street? <laughs> because the butt crack? Because it got stuck in between the crack. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fact that you started this. Why doesn't the butt crack? <laughs> Now, Isaiah is going to meet someone by the name of Renee Hart Hardeveld, and she's a 25-year-old Dutch student. So they meet inside of school. I mean, he went to Paris to kind of further his education, and it was an international school. So he comes from Japan, and Renee comes from, oh my God, where did the Dutch come from? The Netherlands. Ya bits. Hold on, let me Google that. Aggressive typing. <laughs> The Netherlands. The Netherlands. I freaking knew it. So Issei meets Renee at this university. And when you first hear it, you're going to think, wow, this is a really romantic story. This is something that sounds like when in Paris, when in France. But it's going to get very, very creepy very, very quickly. So he said that when he laid his little eyeballs onto Renee, he never, ever in his life saw a woman like that before. She was so freaking beautiful. Now, never mind you, he was a Japanese man who had a very, very big liking towards Western women. And, you know, she is that kind of like European look and he just said he had never seen someone of such beauty of such caliber and he didn't want to be caught staring at her and so he did the less creepy thing which was draw her everywhere all over his notebooks and then he would stare at those sketches that he would draw of her I mean honestly I don't know which one's creepier they, they go to school together. Yeah. Uh. And so he starts gaining her trust and he invites her over to multiple dinners at his apartment, just kind of acting like, you know, we should study together, et cetera, et cetera. And he was so shy. I mean, the one thing about Issei is that he will do some blatantly disgusting crimes. But at the end of the day, he kind of seems like a shy boy. He was so shy of, you know, even showing any inkling of like, oh, I like you romantically more than a friend. He would just constantly make up some bullshit of like, we got to do this for class, et cetera, et cetera. And so he was really gaining her trust. One day he starts deciding, okay, I need her to come over and I need her to be occupied when she comes over. I don't want to just eat dinner with her where she's just kind of staring around my apartment. I mean, this will become later makes sense, right? And so she's like, okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to approach Renee in class and I'm going to say, hey, one of my professors wanted some German poetry recorded on an audio tape. And obviously you speak German and it would be amazing if you could just help me out, if you could come to my apartment and help me record this poetry. And so Renee, being the nice person that she is, she's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I say like, that sounds great. And so she goes over to his apartment. Now, 
I really don't like it. I really don't like this because we've spoken about cannibalism before, and that was the case of Armin. Now, Armin was just as strange. I mean, this one's probably a little bit stranger, but I just hate when people invite people over and they're planning on partaking in cannibalism, and they're like, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? I just find that it to be very strange and very ironic and just makes me uncomfortable. And so he's like, yeah, we're just going to record some poetry, and then you can come over and we can eat dinner together. And she's like, okay, absolutely. She believed it. Wait, so he is planning on eating her right then and there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so she believed it. Um, She offers to help. She arrives at his apartment. They eat dinner together. And as she starts reading poetry, she's sitting on his desk and he's like, okay, here's the book of poetry. I don't know if you want to give it a look before we start recording, just so you kind of know, you know, the layout of the poetry, the lay of the land. And she's like, yeah, that sounds great. So she's sitting on this chair reading this book of poetry and he's behind her. Uh So her back is naturally turned away from him she's facing in the opposite direction she can't see what he's doing but why would it matter because they're friends from school and he creeps into his closet pulls out a rifle and shoots her in the neck What? and he said that the feeling was like she was talking and she was reading and then all of a sudden she was silent then she would bang and collapse onto the desk and then she would bang one more time and collapse onto the floor with the chair and the shock the sheer shock of what he had just done had set into his body and he fucking fainted i really don't know how to feel he shook it yeah, to the point where he fainted. I, d- I mean, see, that's the thing. Obviously, I feel 100%, 1,000% for Renee. But there is a part of me that's like, this is a weird criminal. I don't understand this. I've never really read a story. I've never really researched a story where he just faints from shooting someone. Is that his first purpose. time? Yeah. Just, why? And so he faints. And he thought about calling 911. He thought about calling the ambulance immediately when he awoke up from his fainting. But then he thought, hang on, hang on. Don't be stupid. You've been dreaming about this for the past 32 years. And now it's actually happening. What was he dreaming about? Right? We're going to find out. He wakes up and he's like, okay, well, I'm not going to call the ambulance. I'm going to go through with my plan. Yeah, I have been waiting 32 years. And this plan was to assault her, partake in necrophilia because she is now deceased. That's what he wanted. He wanted to have sex with her corpse, but he also wanted to eat her flesh. And this is something that he had wanted to do for the past 32 years. Now, was he planning on Renee? Did Renee have a special place? It was purely for the fact that Renee was beautiful. That's it. He wants to eat someone pretty. Yeah. And so he felt like he was a man with a plan. He wakes up and he's like, you know, I got to go through with this. So the first thing that he does is puts a towel under her head to soak up the bleeding because she was shot in the freaking neck. And then he undresses her and then he has sex with her corpse. So he partakes in necrophilia and then he decides, you know what? I want to eat her. I mean, this was like part of the plan, right? So he's like, I want to eat her. But where do I want to start? Do I want to start like Armin Mays or whatever? And do I want to start with this A, B, C, and D? He's like, no, there is only one thing that I have wanted to eat for the past 32 years. I want to eat her ass. And that's the way he says it. I mean, I don't know if it was loosely translated, but he literally said that when he was interviewed years after the fact was, I want to eat her ass. And I know it's not a time for jokes, but like, that's not what people mean when they say eat the 
yes. But he genuinely wanted to partake in cannibalism on the derriere. And so he would say, okay, I need to eat the ass and I just want to bite into it. And so he just puts his face onto her butt. And he said that all of this was very particular. He could not start with the left butt cheek. He had to do the right butt cheek. Why? Because the left butt cheek is allegedly closer to the heart, which means that there's going to be more blood involved. And Isaiah is scared of blood. Yeah. And so he's like, see, I mean, this is what I've been wanting to do for 32 years. I can't do the left butt cheek. I have to eat the right butt cheek. And so he bites into the right butt cheek. And this is exactly how he describes it. This is not me trying to make light of the situation. I mean, just focus on the fact that he talks about all of this in such a creepy, nonchalant way. And also, how do we know that he did this? Because he did interviews. He did press tours. He wrote books about this after the fact. So these are his words. He said, I bit into the right butt cheek and I couldn't bite it. I couldn't bite it off. I couldn't bite the flesh off. My jaw was really starting to hurt. And so I'm like, I don't understand this man. I mean, he just murdered someone in cold blood. And now he's complaining that his jaw hurts and he's scared of blood. I mean, it's just, it's so strange. It's so odd. It's like this weirdly weird, just juxtaposition of this crazy murderer, but also like a little pussy ass bitch. It's confusing. Right. And so he grabs a fruit knife and he stabs her in the butt trying to kind of carve out like a piece of her flesh is how he would say it. And it wouldn't go through. So he starts giving up. He's like, "Okay, this is obviously taking way too much of my physical strength, which I barely have. And so he goes all the way to the market. He buys a curved meat knife, comes back home, drags Renee's body into the bathroom and he starts cutting into her flesh. No neighbor. Nobody heard anything with the gunshot. Nope. And he thought that, I mean, this is his description of the flesh. I feel like it's always very weird and very eerie and creepy to listen to cannibals and all of these criminals describe their own crimes. It's just strange. And he said, you know, I thought I would see red meat right away. But instead, I saw a lot of yellow substances. It looked kind of like corn kernels. And later on, I learned it was fat. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just really gross. And so he decided to cut up the parts of Renee's body that he, I mean, okay, my fiance's fists are clenched really hard. And so he decided to cut up the pieces of Renee's body that he really thought that he would enjoy. The parts that he dreamed about eating for years, for the past alleged 32 years of his life. I mean, this was his goal. And those were, he cut off a piece of her breast. I mean, he cut the whole breast off. He cut most of her genitalia and her butt and thighs. That was something that he really liked. He loved thighs and the buttocks and the breasts. And he put them into little Ziploc bags and placed them into the fridge. And he didn't know what to do with the rest of the body. I mean, he wanted to eat parts of her face as well. So all of the parts that he actually wanted to eat, he put them into the refrigerator. And the rest of the parts, he didn't know what to do. Now you're probably wondering, okay... How did he get this way? (laughs) Because that's exactly what I'm wondering. I mean, I'm cringing as anytime I laugh in this video, it's I mean, this is such a WTF case. This is such a case where I don't know how to humanly respond to information like this because it's so out of the realm of I can't even relate to it in any way. I can't really even be like, I see how he can make these, you know, 
decisions i see how he turned out this way i can kind of see it do i approve of it no do i like it no but can i see it maybe but with this one i'm like i don't see shit boo boo like i do not see it how how many people have you read that has eaten human in terms of criminals Mm. is it a good amount or is it really selected a few of them pretty selective pretty slim i feel like necrophilia and cannibalism are pretty slim or at least not in the criminal setting that I know of. I mean, like I said, in the first cannibalism podcast, there was um, a group of people that was it was embedded in their culture to eat their relatives after they pass so that a part of their soul lives on with them. But in the criminal setting, I mean, I but also in the setting of like in war torn areas, sometimes you do eat other humans when you have no choice because i mean shit you're gonna die like you have no food and those are a little bit different i mean cannibalism just in the depth of crime it's really rare i mean the whole war aspect also yeah (laughs) the war aspect's really creepy they actually don't even have a significant number on how much cannibalism actually happens in war-torn areas because they're not really reported that well i mean people are dying people are fighting it's war-torn areas no one's really taking statistics like that. There's no fucking census for cannibalism over there. Yeah. He's like choking on his pistachios. I'm like, how are you still eating those pistachios? <laughs> and so Isaiah's childhood. I feel like with a person like this, normally I would say, we got to jump into the childhood. We can't start the crime until we know about the childhood. But I didn't in this case because his childhood is remarkably normal it is strikingly normal everything about it seems if not above average so he was born in kobe japan and he was born to um two very well-off parents so his parents were very wealthy now the way that he describes it is that sometimes he believes that he wasn't their biological child and then he just came from another planet or another dimension and he was disguised as a baby dropped onto the earth like a meteorite and then his mom picked him up and took pity on him and just raised him he is that a firm belief of of, of his it's or? not firm but he believes it must be the reason to the way that he is because okay. he doesn't really understand particularly why he's a cannibal and he says you know i'm the only one of my kind to exist on this planet obviously he didn't do a lot of research on cannibalism because i mean cannibalism's I'm just trying to say he's not special. I don't want him thinking he's special because he's not special. <laughs> he think he he thinks he is. Yeah, he thinks mm-hmm. he's the only one of this kind. And he, the one remarkable thing that I found that seemed to be a little bit alarming about his childhood. And when I say alarming, I'm not trying to say that he had a picture perfect childhood. Everything was easy breezy cover girl. But I'm saying in terms of like crimes of this caliber, typically they're associated with just heavy amounts of abuse or troubled childhoods. And the only thing that I saw that was kind of like a ooh maybe that could be something was that he was born premature now he was born really premature he was small enough to fit into the palm of his dad's hand so he was super tiny and the doctors were like i don't think he's gonna survive i mean i'm just gonna be real with you guys don't expect him to be a healthy baby don't expect him to survive i mean he immediately developed enteritis which is a disease that you have in your small intestines right and by the grace of god or by fate or by whatever you believe in he was saved. He had several injections of potassium and calcium and the saline solution. And apparently that would treat the, the enteritis or whatever that he had for his intestines. And he kind of just grew up. 
he lived, he survived. There was no insane complication from being born premature. And even if you ask a say, like he did in all of his books and all these interviews, he said his childhood was the best time of his life. <laughs> he said, my parents loved me deeply. They raised him lovingly, surrounded by nature. He really only had good things to say about his childhood and his parents, which makes this just even more strange. Did he talk about when he first had the thought? Yeah, so the first issue occurs with the fact that he does seem to have really intense insecurity with the fact that he's very frail, weak, and short. So he's like four feet 11, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was born premature. He is physically not very capable. He's not a strong dude. He is not a built dude. He can't really do anything physically in... Like, he can't even work out. Like, he's not someone who can work out and build all this muscle. You know, he is technically weak in that sense. And then the issue number two came when he said that, I kind of think it was had something to do with his parents, is what he said, which is they never talked about sex. Sex was so taboo. Now, <laughs> I'm kind of annoyed by the way that he said this because, I mean, I get it. It's not really good. But it's just weird. So he never even heard his parents say the word sex out loud. Like, that's how taboo it is. But then also, welcome to Japan. Like, welcome to Korea. Like, it's really welcome not... Welcome to China. <laughs> yeah, it's really just not a culture where you do things like that. So I think it's weird that he kind of used this almost as like a an excuse. And so he said, you know, when the first time he had this erection, he was super embarrassed. He was like, why do I have an erection? Why is it erected i don't know he's like i just was so embarrassed and issue number three came around when he realized i don't know how to masturbate if you don't know how to that means you just don't know about it what does that even mean yeah he just said nobody taught him how to masturbate and the part that i find issue with this is I don't think anyone teaches you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I really am trying to like walk down memory lane and be like, um, how did I learn? But I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not something that like someone sits you yeah, down. Is that, is that an issue for him? He doesn't. Yeah. He complained about it. He's like, I didn't know how to masturbate. And so instead of trying to learn it, instead of trying to ask a friend, instead of trying to ask somebody or like have an open conversation. I mean, I guess it's like the whole thing about maybe in that culture, it's just so taboo that he can't even ask his friends of his age group i'm not sure right but he says i don't know how to masturbate and so the first thing that i did instead of doing what feels natural which is i don't know just placing your hand there and just kind of like wiggling it about flopping around helicopter that shit he's like okay i'm gonna make my dog lick it so what instead of masturbating this is the crazy thing like the way that he thinks is so strange because if you don't know how to masturbate there's so many more steps that you would take and never take the step of bestiality. You might want to stick it into like, I don't know. I think it's more. I've heard stories of people sticking it into like a uh, mac and cheese, you know, like random shit like that. Just to be like, what if? But like dogs, I, that's just so weird. It doesn't even cross the mind. Mac and cheese? I mean, that's what I heard on Reddit. Yeah. There okay. was like a thread of people being like, where's the weirdest place that you were like, hey, what if I just <laughs> and uh, one of them, the one of the most popular answers was mac and cheese. It was highly upvoted. Apparently, lots of people had some cheesy dicks. Wasn't there a lot of uh, emergency 
hospital (laughs) (laughs) yeah we read a thread about emergency hospitals the er doctors would write on the thread and they said you'd be surprised at how many men would come in with shampoo bottles shoved up their anus and say i slipped and fell in the shower (laughs) and they were like we are doctors we understand probability we are pretty good at math like it doesn't make sense always i slipped <laughs> it's always i slipped onto an herbal essences a shampoo bottle jumbo size family pack don't know how he got there <laughs> very <laughs> odd and so he didn't know how to masturbate he would make his dog lick it and he said this is when his sexual fantasies really started distorting there's no evidence that he was abused in any way. He never brings it up. He never mentions it. I just find this to be so strange. I have never heard of a childhood like this. I've never heard of a criminal committing these types of crimes and being like, well, the issue all started because nobody gave me a book on masturbation. It's just weird. So I don't get it. Is he saying that he has no way or form of releasing yeah he has no way or form of releasing his frustration but also he doesn't have anyone to ask he doesn't know how to masturbate he's just very confused so he starts kind of making his own ways on how to masturbate but you can already tell that his thinking is pretty perverse yeah oh yeah so issue number three comes around when he sees a handsome boy now isaiah is straight um he is heterosexual in I think he was just kind of, you know, he's growing into himself. And when he saw this handsome boy, he saw his thigh. And this was in the first grade. And there was something about this handsome boy's thigh that he wanted to eat. He wanted to take a bite of his thigh. He doesn't know how to describe it. He just saw his thigh and wanted to eat the thigh. And later on, he's going to see a lot of women. So I think that was the only time that I heard and I researched and I read and I, you know, did a lot of digging that he was somewhat attracted to a boy and the rest will all be females. So he starts developing a thigh fetish. He's just obsessed with thighs. And he said that he wanted to ask a girl out on a date in high school. And he's like, oh my God, how do I do this? How do I do this? I feel like throwing up. Like he felt like puking when he wanted to ask this girl out. Which again, this is so weird because it's the same juxtaposition of this guy will murder and try to eat someone. But he's scared of blood. Like the same thing of like he wants to eat people, but like the thought of asking someone out makes him want to throw up. I'm like, this is a little weird. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Because it's usually the opposite for most normal people. Yeah, it's very different from a normal, traditional, I mean, serial killer. Yeah. Stereotypical. Yeah. And so he's like, I want to ask this girl out, but I just, I feel like throwing up. I don't know what to do. And then... And then she walked by and he saw her. These are his words, not mine. He saw her pale thighs from under her skirt. And it made him want to eat her flesh so bad. Okay. And then he developed something for foreign women. So this is kind of like his progression of his sexual perversion. And he compared himself to it. So this is very weird. It's not like he would look at a foreign woman. He loved Western women. So he loved your typical American woman, your European woman. And he wasn't anyone that wasn't of like the Asian background. And he loved looking at them. And it's strange because he didn't just love them because they are beautiful. And he didn't just love them because maybe that is something that he is gravitating towards. But he loved them because he loved comparing himself to them so again it's a little bit weird so he would constantly say i love western women because they are tall and beautiful and i'm short and weak 
when he's 24 years old, he's still living in Tokyo at this point. So he's in Japan and he finds victim number one. And she was a beautiful blonde German woman. And she was walking around in Tokyo and he saw her. And he immediately said that he became entranced, mesmerized by her, quote, white thighs. He saw her thighs and was like, I fucking love those thighs. And so he decided to do a very, very creepy thing, which was follow her back home. Follow her and see where she lives, see what apartment unit she's from. And to his surprise, to his delight, um, he found out that she lives on a ground floor apartment. So So he can stalk her? So he can break in. Oh. So that night he breaks into the ground floor apartment and she was asleep and she was completely naked while she was sleeping. But she's also home alone in the privacy of her home. So like whatever she can do, whatever she wants. And his plan was to grab an umbrella, hit her on the top of the head, knock her out, get a knife from the kitchen, cut her butt out and eat it. And he didn't want to kill her. He just wanted her to be alive. He honestly wanted to eat alive flesh like I mean, the way that it was described in a lot of articles and books was in the form of sashimi. (laughs) Like he wanted live flesh. So he wanted to cut out her butt and to eat it. And so he crept up on her and he accidentally kneed her in the belly. Like his knee touched her belly. And she woke up, she screamed, and she pushed him to the ground. Now to her benefit, I mean, he is four foot 11. He is a very tall or very short man and she was much taller than him. Mm -hmm. And so she pushed him to the ground, started screaming. Neighbors called the cops. The police came. They charged him with attempted rape. And he never spoke about his intentions he never said anything he was like yeah i just wanted to rape her like he never said oh no like i wasn't trying to rape her i just wanted to eat her ass which is the way he says it anytime i say ass it's because he repeatedly uses that word he doesn't say buttocks he doesn't say butt derriere bottom he always says ass his entire argument about cannibalism is it's simply a fetish this is his quote it's simply a fetish for example If a normal man likes a girl, he'd naturally feel a desire to see her as often as possible, to be close to her, to smell her, to kiss her, right? I mean, to me, eating is just an extension of that. Frankly, I can't fathom why everyone doesn't feel the urge to eat and to consume other people. And so when he turns 28 years old, he decides to move on from Tokyo and he decides to go to Paris. Like I said, his parents were really well off. He wanted to go to study. So he was going to study abroad and he wanted to do comparative literature. So he's really into like reading. He's really into poetry. He's really into writing. He's really into all of this. And there's pictures of him at the airport the day that he leaves um, his family ticket and his mom just looks really sad. And he describes it almost as if his mom had this like mother's intuition that something bad was going to happen. She had no idea about the rape charge because he was 24. He wasn't obligated to tell his parents. He was an adult and she just looked really upset for some reason. So he hops up in that flight, goes to Paris and He said that before he went to Paris, his obsession with cannibalism had turned into an obligation. It was no longer something he loved thinking about. He masturbated to. I mean, these are his words, not mine. It was something he had to do. So he lands in France and he has dreams of Greece. 
He says, once I'm done studying abroad in France, I also want to partake in cannibalism, but I also want to go to Greece. I want to go to Greece to further my education. Like I said, this dude is complex. He's confusing. I don't understand him, not even to the 1%. And so he said, okay, I'm going to take a luxury cruise to Greece during the summer break of, you know, all of this education that I'm doing in France. So he gets up in this luxury cruise and he starts having dinner. Now, in a cruise, you start having dinner with people that you don't know. You can actually go alone on a cruise. I don't advise it. I don't think cruises are safe, et cetera, et cetera. You get it. And he meets a butcher, a meat butcher, not a cannibalistic person, just a regular meat butcher. Like he was really good at his job. He was really passionate and his wife and they were taking a vacation from their jobs and they start they start talking. They start striking up a conversation while on dinner. And this butcher kind of just tells him the way that he describes him. Isaiah describes the butcher as, quote, fat, jolly man what the heck <laughs> and yeah i mean it's just so rude and like what and he the butcher is kind of just telling him you know with this type of mean i like to do this i mean he's really into his job he loves what he does he is he's not just like a regular butcher he believes right. like in all these different cuts of meat he can go on about it he can say you know this part of this animal is like so tender if you cook it like this if you cut it against the grain he was just so passionate okay. and of course isaya is passionate too because all he can think about while this meat butcher is talking to him about all of this is how he's gonna butcher a human one day and so he's like okay he's you know it's soaking in all of this information and they part their ways now they give each other each contact information so the butcher is like you know just contact me one day if you're ever in the area we can like hang out or something and mm -hmm. i think it was just more of those like friendly i just met you so here's my phone number yeah. right yeah. and this doesn't sound pertinent to the story but we're gonna come back to the meat butcher in a second so hold on to your tits now he's back in france from this luxury cruise and he decides to get prostitutes he wants to have lots of sex and he's 27 at this point and from 27 to 32 he would try to bring home just tens and tens of prostitutes and then he would grab his rifle every single time and he would want to shoot them because he wants to eat someone and so the minute that he tries to pull the f the trigger his fingers would freeze and he just couldn't do it now let's go back to Renee. Now he's 32. Now he's tried on so many different prostitutes to try to pull that trigger. Okay. And he finally so does he, it. Did he try to kill those prostitutes too? Or? Yeah, and it okay. didn't work. His finger would freeze on the trigger every single time. Wow. Anytime they'd, you know, have their back to him, he'd try to grab his gun. And if he got a hold of it, he just would freeze. He couldn't do it. And finally he could do it to Renee. And one reason in particular was that he just said, he had to eat Renee. I mean, she was one of the most beautiful women he had ever put his eyes on. And so he had to eat her. That's how he said it. And now back to Renee. He had cut up a bunch of pieces of her body and put her into the fridge. And I think this case is so sad because it is so international. She's right. Dutch. She's in France. You know, he's Japanese. He's in France. And it just becomes like this whole international scandal. And everybody just kind of forgets about the victim. She's in the fridge. And there are other parts of her that he necessarily doesn't want to consume. There's parts of her torso. There's just a bunch of other parts that doesn't strike him as appetizing, I guess. And Wait, he's going to. So at this point, he already. Yeah. Consumed. So. Yeah, so we're back to the beginning. Okay. Right, so he is slowly consuming parts of her body, and it was June when this happened. 
Now, he says June is one of the hottest months in Paris, so he was afraid to leave Renee's body because it would just start decomposing. It would rot, and then his neighbors would say something. And he had no plans of getting caught. This wasn't a suicide mission for him. This He had no plans of turning himself in. He It wasn't like that. And so he had to dispose of the body, and so he has a lot to do. But in this meantime, before he gets to doing any of that, he will end up sitting there and writing a letter thanking the butcher that he met on the cruise. He doesn't say why. He doesn't say anything specific, but he just says, thank you for all the valuable information that you've taught me. It was such a pleasure to meet you, et cetera, et cetera. And he sends this letter. Now, what's even more interesting is that when Issei is interviewed, he almost seems hurt that the butcher never wrote back. That's so twisted. I almost see it as, like, you know, in Japanese culture, it's very important to follow these, like, oh, very yeah. polite gesture. You have to write thank you notes. You have to yeah. send cards. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Is that what is coming out of it? Like, this is my way of, you know, saying thank you. Maybe. I expect the response. That's so rude of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so freaking twisted that's what i'm saying it's so twisted because he just murdered someone but he seems a little bit more upset about not getting a written letter back than he does about the fact that he just murdered someone it's about murdering people and then you're upset that someone didn't hold the door for you on the elevator it's just like what well i don't understand like your skew of morality is just so off completely yeah it's weird And so he was like, okay, well, now that I wrote that letter and sent it out, I got to get rid of the body. This is going to be a lot of work. And so he's like, I have to do this quickly. I have to dispose of her body. This is the only way. And so he goes and he buys these two suitcases. Now, these suitcases do not have wheels pertinent to the story. And he decides that he has to cut up Renee and place her into these suitcases and he said it's not easy doing it the way that he describes it is it's nothing like a horror movie a torso is heavy they're hard to cut up the bones are thick it's just he didn't think it was going to be as difficult as he thought it would be and like i said he physically was not strong he physically wasn't as capable and he is you know kind of on the shorter side and so he was having a lot of difficulty doing this by himself and so he finally is able to squeeze renee's remains into these two suitcases and he decides to dispose of them across his university in a lake. Now, this is not a scary lake. This is not some creepy lake in the middle of freaking nowhere. This is a very famous lake in France. It's a beautiful lake. Lots of people go there on the summer months to sunbathe, to have picnics. I mean, it's a big lake, but it's not really a creepy lake. It's not one of those lakes that you'll go to and be like, I feel like I'm going to get murdered here. And he even had a picture taken in front of that lake when he first went to France. And he said, that's the only place I got to dispose of her body. I'm going to go to the lake and I'm just going to slip these suitcases into the water. It's going to sink because they're so heavy. So he's like, okay, that's the plan. Now he's really dumb. And he admits to some of the dumb quote mistakes he made. Okay. Which again is odd because he doesn't consider the murder of Renee a mistake, but he Mm. considers all these other things mistakes. Mm. So he said that he went in 8 p.m. in summer, in June, and he thought that it would be dark, but it's not because it's in summer, in June, in France, and the sun was still shining. It was bright. 
Okay. <laughs> and so he goes and he catches a cab with these two suitcases. And the cab driver starts helping him load them into the cab because, you know, that's just what cab drivers do. And it was really ironic because the cab driver looked at him and said, hey, why are these so heavy? You got a dead body in here? And he oh, loaded them no. into the car. And Asay looked at him and says, it's just books. And he gets into the cab and he says, can you please drop me off across the university at the lake? And the cab driver says, all righty, sure thing. Drives him to the lake. And immediately upon pulling up to the lake, he's like, oh, shit, there's so many people sunbathing. There's so many people like hanging out near the lake. Why is it still so bright? I don't understand. So he's like, well, I got to I got to get out of the cab. So he gets out of the cab and everyone's kind of staring at him because it's just a little off putting. Like, why do you walk around with these two suitcases? He also looked a little bit, you know, nervous. He didn't look like I just like got out. I just got flew back in from going to Italy. And now I'm back in home at France. And I'm just going to walk around now. It just was odd. And he probably like, feels like the whole world staring at him. Yeah. Right? At and so moment. finally, he finds a quiet place near the lake and he starts pushing the bags down the hill towards the lake. So he's pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, there's a lot of friction. It's not going to be like a freaking sledding show. It's he's just he's sweating bullets and he gets to the bottom of the lake and he leaves his suitcases near the bottom of the lake. And at this point, I mean, with all of that pushing, these suitcases were not... I mean, I don't even know what a good suitcase brand is. What's that? So it wasn't uh, wasn't well built. Yeah, it's not like a Ramoa or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to leak. And he's not he's not somebody who knows exactly what he's doing. He's really dumb. Leaking blood? So it starts leaking blood because oh he's pushing the suitcase God. down the hill. There's so much friction. There's so much movement. And <laughs> so it's leaking blood. And in all of this, he leaves those suitcases behind him and he's energyless. So he's trying to catch his breath. So he's like, okay, I just put these suitcases down. I got to catch my breath before I shove them into the water. And he looks up and it's a beautiful sunset. It's like red and it's reflecting off the water. And he's just looking at this sunset and the bags are behind him, by the way. So he kind of stepped in front of the bags. Yeah. And he's just staring at the sunset like, oh never seen such a pretty sunset before it's like reflecting on the lake it's so peaceful wow and he was enjoying all the beauty when he starts hearing a scream behind him no way and a woman is screaming that there's blood there's blood and he looks behind him and a man is running towards the suitcases and the man is starting to open it up Oh my God. Isaiah makes eye contact with this man who happened to be a civilian. And he asks, Is this yours? And he said, No. And he said it was an impulse. Now, what's also strange is Isaiah says this was a big mistake. He said that if he had said yes, in hindsight, he thinks everybody would have just walked away. Because like, okay, that's a little weird. But because he had said no, this man continued to open up the bags. Oh, my God. So he flops open one of the suitcase tops. And inside he finds, and what's even crazier is that these pictures of all of these suitcases were later published in Japan. And I saw these pictures. And please do not Google these pictures if you ever want honey, to eat ever honey, again. Honey, honey, honey. Now I have to see okay, it. Okay, let me Google it for you. Hold on. Wait, so, so police came and took pictures? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did he run away or he, he, he stayed? Let me show you the pictures first. There's also pictures of Renee. 
I don't think you're ready to see those. Okay, I'm going to show them to you. You asked for it. These are the pictures of her body parts on plates. Oh, my God. This is Renee. This is Isaiah. Oh, my God. This is her face. Oh, my God. He wanted to eat parts of her face. Oh, sh. And these are her legs in the suitcase. This is um, after he had. (laughs) He looks like he's going to throw up. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've been researching this case for a while now, so I have seen these pictures like a million times. Okay. All right. He's like, yeah, a don't look it up, guys. The honey, face, can Tiger come to my side tonight? <laughs> the way that that the, her teeth are exposed and uh, it's just so freaking. I uh, actually think the the full body picture is so yes, scary yes, with the different parts too. that he said that he liked. And they were just miss. So it's it's very different. Uh, so with people like Armin Mays or whatever, the other cannibal killer that we talked about earlier in a different podcast, he really was obsessed with just consuming flesh, all parts of the flesh. Right. right. Whereas Isaiah is very picky almost. And to see only those parts chosen, is just uh, it makes your stomach curl. Yeah. So this man starts opening up this bag and he sees all of this. He opens it up. There's a bloody sheet just covered in blood and he sees legs popping out from under it. And at first I thought it was weird, his reaction, because he just looks at the woman on top of the hill and screams murder. Right. And at Uh first I was like, that's a really weird thing to say. But then I was thinking, I mean, what can you really say? Yeah. And I would be very suspicious of Isaiah, too. And so he screams murder. Now, Isaiah oh, is like, so okay. so he thinks. Yeah. Oh. And so Isaiah is like, well, I got to go. So he walks away. And he <sighs> wasn't arrested till four days later. Because what I think they had to track do? him down. Yeah, what did he do? He was just waiting days? in his apartment. He was just continuing life as normal. He wasn't like packing his things. He wasn't like trying to go back to Japan. It was weird. And so four days later, he finally gets arrested. And he said that at that moment when he was arrested, he felt so relieved. He was like, it's finally over. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to feel like I'm going to get caught. I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder. And I feel good. And he started getting interrogated by three different psychiatrists. And he would be held in prison in a mental institution for the next two years inside of France waiting for a trial. Now, he was deemed after that mentally insane and they said he's unfit to stand trial so we can't have a trial like he can't go on trial for first degree murder second degree murder cannibalism etc etc necrophilia like none of that because he's mentally unstable so we're gonna actually send him to a criminal psychiatric ward indefinitely for the rest of forever so it's not that he was getting away with it yet But it was the fact that they were like, listen, he can't go to prison and we don't think that he can even survive a trial because he doesn't seem to understand things. And so they sent him to a psychiatric ward and his father had hired a really nice lawyer because, like I said, they're very well off. And this really pissed a lot of people off. But they started getting more pissed. So you had two years inside of the psychiatric ward and going back and forth between prison and there. And then you had him say, "Okay, well, now he's just forever going to stay in a French psychiatric ward. And then while he was at the hospital, he had visitors and he was visited by a Japanese author who happened to be in France at the time. 
and he was so inspired by this Japanese author that visited him. He wrote a book called In the Fog, and it was a his account of the murder. Whose account? Essays. So he wrote his version of the、uh-huh. murder into a book called In the Fog,、uh-huh. and it was released in Japan. It was published in Japan, and he gained celebrity status. The killer. Yeah. And the French were so pissed. Yeah. People are talking about him as if he's just a normal celebrity. People are writing to him. People are giving him so much attention, and all what? All on the French taxpayers' dime because he's staying in a French facility,、uh. and he's not French. He is a student. He's not someone who was working here, had a life here. Built something here, paid taxes in France. He literally was just a student. He contributed not much to France, but yet he's living for the rest of his life indefinitely. And the French were already mad that he was deemed mentally unstable.、Right. They wanted him on, him on trial for first was, degree murder. Was it a huge, huge? Yeah,、case? but now they were even more pissed because now he's just going to spend the rest of his life in a psychiatric ward that the French are paying for, the taxpayers are paying for. But on top of that, he's almost like a celebrity status in Japan. Like this is weird. Like just get him out of here. If he's so loved in Japan, fucking send him back to Japan. You know.、Mm. And again, I don't think they really had anything to do with like race or anything like that because I know it's always very sensitive. I've heard this a lot too. Being Korean is like go back to your country, right? But it's like he technically this wasn't his country. Right. right. Like、right. he is a Japanese citizen, born and raised for twenty eight, you know, years of his life,、yeah. and so they were like, okay, let's freaking deport him. So he gets deported to Japan, and now the French were on the premise, the idea that once he gets to Japan, he would spend the rest of his life in a Japanese institute, so that the French taxpayers don't pay for it, and now the Japanese taxpayers have to pay for it, even though the、right. crime happened in France. Now the issue with this is there's two big issues. First of all, the Japanese deemed that he was not mentally unfit. He was seen by Japanese psychiatrists, and they said that he's not mentally unstable, but he just has a personality disorder. What? And they gave him no treatment. And then the second issue was that the Japanese judicial system, the legal system, they couldn't charge him for anything because the French charges had been dropped because he was deemed unfit for trial. The court documents had been sealed. And they could not be released to the Japanese authorities because that's the way that it works. When court documents are sealed, you don't just give them willy nilly to other countries. They, the hospital, didn't want to take him. And then the legal system. I think that there was an effort on Japan's part to try to press charges, but、yeah. because he didn't commit a crime on Japanese soil, and the French wouldn't release their court documents, and they dropped the case, there was no case. So he walked free, and he's been a free man since. So what happened? He he. How long was he in the institute for? Two years. Um, little over two plus years, I believe. And he came back well, home he and he's free. Two years waiting for the trial, and then he stayed there for many many years afterwards. Oh okay, but then he's free now. Yeah, but I mean, he, he is a murderer, a necrophiliac. Yeah. A cannibalist. A、That's、cannibal. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. So he's in Japan. <laughs> He's not in that psychiatric ward. He's a free man, and he has no income and he has no job, and he's getting nonstop calls from the media, from the media, and these huge newspaper outlets, these huge news networks, these huge media outlets, big、mm-hmm. names in Japan, they were offering him forty to fifty thousand dollars to write 
them an article because it get clicks it would get it get purchased you know he's a free man he's a cannibal i mean it's not even just like a free man who's a murderer he's not even just a free man cannibalism is so rare that people tend to gravitate towards rare crimes so what is the japanese society seeing him as i think majority saw him as disgusting but they're curious. Yeah, curiously disgusted. And so they were paying him forty to $50,000 to write an article. So he would eventually write a lot of articles. And then that led to him writing more books. To this day, he has written 20 books. 20 books. There's even a fucking manga. A manga. A manga. I want to mm-hmm. say mango. Um, a manga. Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck, I'm going to yeah. say it wrong. I'm yeah, so sorry. A, ma- a manga. Mm-hmm. There is a manga that was kind of the yes. des- the designs was from a very famous designer about the crime. Yeah. So they literally sketched him doing all of these things. Didn't you did remember the story about the girl who killed another girl in the bathroom? Yeah. And that got turned into a manga yeah. too. Yeah. And they all have fans now. Yeah. So there was a manga and it was about the crime. It wasn't even just a manga that he was like, oh, guys, I have a cool idea of a guy who lives in Iceland. It was literally about the crime. And so there are pictures like these graphic drawn manga like pictures where um, he's just eating flesh. And then a, a well-known painter reached out to him, an artist. And he was like, you know, why don't you come to my studio and we'll kind of hang out. And so he went and he started giving him guidance and he started painting. So he started painting these massive paintings of women and he sold them and they were bought internationally. So very similar to the John Wayne Gacy of last week's episode where he started painting in jail and those paintings were bought. I mean, some as high as $20,000. I mean, it's very strange. Now, he did have one book that really rubbed everyone the wrong way. So a lot of his books, yes, they had attention from people who were keeping up with the case. But after the first book, the next 19 were just kind of like, okay, like he's just really milking it, right? And we don't like him. And so this is not to say like Japan was like, ooh, write more books. Like after the first one, everyone was like curious. And I'm sure it's like that in every country. I mean, that's why America is so obsessed with serial killers because we're all like, I don't understand. We need to understand. I want to know more. And so it was kind of like that. But after like the second and the the third and the fourth it was kind of like give it a break dude you belong in prison and Mm -hmm. he did write when this one controversial book and it was controversial for two reasons inside of it he had a translated version of the french psychiatric exam that they had written to him so all of the psychiatrists that interrogated him they wrote this exam and he published it which is very odd thing to do it's just very weird and the second thing is that he included pictures of the incident inside of this book so all of the pictures i just showed my fiance don't google it unless you have a strong stomach and you haven't eaten anything in like three hours because it might come back up this guy's crazy so he's the one that released that yeah and he put pictures of the incident in there and people like this is also what's crazy. He will do all of this, but he has the nerve in an interview to be like, people in Japan are stupid because they asked me to sign this book. So they're treating me like a celebrity. 
And people are like, you know, what's your reasoning? Are you really, you have no remorse? Like, that's what it is? Like, you're just nasty? Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Yeah. He says, listen, I have to be vulgar to survive. Like, do you know how hard it is to be a murderer and a cannibal and be forced to, like, find a job? Like, you're not going to get a job. And I'm like, boo-hoo. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, you have to be vulgar to survive. And so he started doing more things for the sake of money. And he accepted a film deal with a producer by the name of Terry. Now, that's what he goes by. I mean, his real name is Japanese, and I know I'm going to mispronounce it anyway, so we're going to call him Terry. That's what he liked to be called. And without even knowing the details of the film, allegedly, he took on this film deal, he got paid, and he did really strange things inside of that film. Now, that film is like... If I bleach on Reddit is like pictures of cute puppies and cats, this is... I don't even know what to call it. It's nasty. (laughs) One of the scenes is him in a field. Mm -hmm. And there's just this table with a white tablecloth. And he's sitting there just eating meat while making eye contact with the camera. Oh, man. There was another scene where he is shirtless on a track. And he's trying to do like these physical strength and agility tests. And a bunch of people are making fun of him while he's doing it. And then another part of this film is he and re- he reenacted Little Red Riding Hood and he played the big bad wolf. And so there's this Japanese actress who came in dressed like Red Riding Hood and he would say things like, you're a little skinny, but you look delicious. What the fuck is... For the film. So it's... This sounds so fake. This is sick stuff. This sounds so fake, but it's not. So his dating life was still somewhat there. He goes back to Japan and he said that his love for Western woman was still going strong. Those are his words, not mine. To the point where he would steal his parents' money. He would steal his parents' credit cards. He would sell his paintings to get money from it. He even sold his brother's cello, his brother's fucking cello, to spend money on Western women. And he was introduced to a woman by the name of Rhonda. And the way that he describes Rhonda is, what a nice woman. What a great friend that I made. I'm so glad I met Rhonda because she's very sweet. She's very carefree. She's funny. She's got a good sense of humor he said no her thighs look tasty and she's very sexy that's how he described Rhonda. that's not how you describe a person and Rhonda knows that he's a no she had no idea and he said that they never had sex she even introduced him to her best friend by the name of talia and they started traveling together he thinks that they used him for money so he would pay for her and talia to go on these like all expenses paid trips with him to the likes of canada india mexico iceland they didn't know of his crimes He said that time in his life after the murder happened in France was one of the most carefree times. This was second in carefreeness right after his childhood. And they even introduced him to drugs. And they said, you know, drugs didn't really have an effect on him. He claims he felt no high, no beneficial anything from doing these drugs. Don't do drugs, by the way. And... He said they wore sexy clothes all the time. Um, They would just always be risque. They would travel and they would like take these like fun, sexy pictures with him. But they were never interested in doing anything with him. Now, Talia had a boyfriend and Talia's boyfriend was back home. So she was just traveling all over the place. Yeah. And then Talia's boyfriend found out who Talia was traveling with. Holy cow. What kind of emotion is that? (laughs) So Talia freaked out and she pretty much just ghost Issei 
and so does Rhonda, and they lost touch, obviously. Just like that in the middle. Just like that. So Iceland was their last trip together. Let's talk about his porn film. (laughs) We got to do it. We got to talk about it. So he had this great idea that he wanted to be a part of a pornography film. He wanted to get a famous porn actress and he wanted to do this idea of like trapped for 24 hours, right? Which is a porn actress would be trapped in his apartment for 24 hours just to just to do it nonstop, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know how much of this is real. I personally have a feeling it's very, very real. I am like 99% leaning towards this is 100% real. What's real? That she was tricked. So the producers, they recorded her outside of Issei's apartment complex. And they said, okay, so do you know why you're here? And she's like, yeah. I mean, everyone knows that she's a porn actress, right? Uh And she's like, yeah, like they said that I'm going to be trapped in some random guy's apartment for 24 hours and we're going to like get it on, right? And they're like, do you know anything about this man? And she's like, someone told me he's like some sort of writer, I think. I don't know what he writes. Uh And she genuinely, yeah, and she genuinely has no idea that this man murdered and ate another woman. And so she's like, yeah, I heard he's a writer. I heard he's kind of cool, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, okay, well, let's go in. So they sit her down. She still has no idea who he is. And they're just like, now you guys are going to do it. The director was like, hey, you have to promise us you're going to do it at least three times in the next 24 hours. And she was like, okay. And so she's sitting on the couch and they do it. And at the end, he sits her on the sofa and this was all planned is saying knew this was going to happen he wanted this to happen almost and he sat her down and he said i know we just had sex on camera for the whole world to see mm-hmm. and just i mean beyond that we just had sex period but i want to show you something and he grabs all of his books including the one with the pictures of renee and he sits her down and he says that he is a murderer and he's eaten a woman before and he tells her the whole story and he shows her all the pictures and she's not about to leave the 24 hours isn't up yet this was like in the middle of it and so she's shocked and she's scared and she's covering her legs because he kept he kept talking about how much he loves oh thighs oh my gosh and at the end of it, like you can see They're that still she's, filming this. Yeah. And you can see that she's like distraught as fuck. Right. And he's like, well, I'd love to ask if I could drink your urine and swallow your saliva. Like he wasn't even just like, I know I'm so sorry. Like it just, he was just like, anyways, can I drink your pee? Very, very strange. And so again, I don't know if this was, she knew when she was acting like, you know how, sometimes porn likes to have a plot and they're like, Oh my God, look like my gardener is looking at me like, Oh no, you know, or like the famous one on Reddit is like, what are you doing? Step bro. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because of how ridiculous this is. So I don't know, but when I saw, I'd never, I didn't see the explicit parts and I'm not going to try to, but I did see clips of like the interactions of her go- before going into the apartment and while he's telling her everything, uh-huh. it just, for me, it feels real. Like the body language that she had was just severe discomfort. And I know that people are going to be like, why didn't she walk out of there? Why didn't she run away? Et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's so much culture embedded to instances like this. Whereas in Japan, you know, you don't really, 
people are not necessarily outspoken or rude in mm-hmm. situations like this. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And also, I'm sure her livelihood was on the line. I'm sure it's not a situation where she has just so much power over these porn productions to be like, I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much. And he tells her she leaves and there's another part that they keep filming where she's in the car mm-hmm. and he, okay before i even go there what's even creepier is that a say he was interviewed and he said how do you think that she felt once you told her everything yeah and he said i think she felt scared because she was covering her legs so he could even pick up on it and he pointed it out i don't know if i would have pointed it out necessarily by myself yeah. You see her in the car afterwards and she's leaned up against the mirror. She has her arms crossed and she's doing these things that look like comfort signals. Like you can tell that she is not open and just like whatever. Like that was so nuts. That was crazy, right? And she's crying. Oh. And she's saying things like, I think like, cause they keep asking her, how do you feel about it? Like, what do you think? And again, it's like so, I mean, they should be locked up is how I feel. It's so... And she's like, uh, I, she's still trying to be polite. She's like, I think it's selfish to let his fetish just run wild and hurt people. I think he's lacking something. Like, I think she was going to say, like, in his fucking head, but she, like, stopped herself. And they kept saying, like, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to say? And she just kept saying nonstop that she just felt like she was in a state of shock. So he's proud of his work. Like, I watched this interview with him. And he goes back and forth. That's why I think he doesn't mean anything. I think that he is. What do you mean? Because he'll go back and forth being like, I I wish I could take it all back. And then he'll be like, I can't wait to eat people again. And it's like, what? So he still says that he want to eat people. Yeah. And his parents died shortly after. Both of his parents. And he was really sad. He was actually barred from attending the funeral, which like I agree with and I understand. And he was really heartbroken. And he said that he was, he's never been in such a state of shock in his life, which is saying a lot. And he was so upset, so sad. But what he realized is, wait a second, this feeling that I have over the death of my parents, uh-huh. why don't I feel even once, one little penny of this for the death of Renee? Why don't I feel the same shock? Why don't I feel the same remorse? And he started sitting there trying to think about how sad he feels for what he's done, how remorseful he is for what he's done. But Uh he said that his mind wouldn't do it. It would just freeze and he wouldn't feel anything. So he's admitting that he doesn't feel this guilt or shame or remorse of like, oh my God, what have I done? Right. None of that. And after all of this like craziness wore off, I mean... He was pretty much in complete isolation. Nobody talks to him. Nobody writes to him, et cetera, et cetera. He just was not of that celebrity status anymore. He just was completely alone. And this is what he has to say. Now, most of these are going to be in quotes. So please keep that in mind. I know that sometimes I like talk in the first person of these criminals. And I think it's interesting because when you read it, I feel like it translates all of their emotions better. But I'm Mm -hmm. also scared that one day it's just going to be completely taken out of context. And I'm just going to seem like just a psychotic person. So I'm really scared. (laughs) And he writes that whenever he has a cannibalistic urge, he suppresses it by masturbating. And if he doesn't masturbate, this urge to eat someone, he calls it his appetite, Mm -hmm. it grows. Mm -hmm. But now, 
he's impotent. He can't get hard. He can't have an erection, and so he can't masturbate. So he's terribly worried because now that he can't suppress his desires, because any time he would walk out into the street and he would see. What he calls in quotes a nice thigh. He would have to go home and masturbate. Otherwise, the feeling of wanting to eat that thigh would just consume his entire being. But now he can't get erections, so he can't satisfy that in any way. And so he's really scared that his cannibalistic urge might reemerge even stronger. Now he's almost seventy at this point. He can't figure out what. All of this was caused by. He doesn't know what happened. It's not like he read a book, watched a movie. He just doesn't understand. He said there's no meaning to his life. There's no meaning to the cannibalism. There's no meaning. He doesn't think that his life will get better. He thinks it would have been easier to die. He wishes that the French would have given him the death sentence. He said recently that the urge of eating someone is lesser than the urge. Of being killed, he wants to die. He wants to die suffering. He wants to be slowly torn apart alive. And then you have a lot of people on Reddit and、mm-hmm. a lot of people who feel a little aggressively <laughs>、mm-hmm. <laughs> that are like, "Okay, those are just words, boo boo," because it's it's just a little odd. No one.、Mm-hmm. I think it's disgusting to encourage someone to do something bad, especially when they're in. Like you know, in a hard place between a rock or between a rock and a hard place. But what he did was so nasty, and how he handled it afterwards was so despicable. Yeah, I think people are like, "Are you saying this to get sympathy from us?" Like we don't even know. Yeah, that's true. We don't.、That's、and he says, <laughs> "This is where also people get mad." He says all of these things. He's like, "I want to die suffering. I want to be slowly torn apart alive." But you know, if I had a choice, I'd rather be killed by a beautiful woman. I don't want a man to murder me. I think it's kind of a fantasy to get killed by a beautiful woman. So it's like what? Like you have no remorse. Like for a second there, people might feel like, okay, maybe he's so remorseful and he's such a coward that he can't do anything. So he's just hoping someone kills him. Uh huh. But like wh- what? <laughs> I don't understand.、Wow. However, he also says this. The desire to eat people becomes so intense around June. That is when Renee was murdered. Was the month of June when women start wearing less and showing more skin? He said, "Just today, I saw a girl with a really nice derriere ass on my way to the train station." And when I see things like that, he thinks about eating someone again before he dies. And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait! Don't get it twisted. What I'm saying is, like, he's trying to almost reiterate himself is." He can't bear the thought of leaving this life without tasting that derriere that he saw this morning, or her thighs. He wants to eat them again while he's alive, so at least he'll be satisfied when he dies. And that's creepy. But you want to know what's creepier? He says he's already thought about the perfect way to do it. He wants to slice the meat super thin. And to consume it in a shabu shabu, which、oh, is like a hot pot,、man. lightly boiled, thin slices is the way to go. He writes, in order to savor the natural flavor of the meat. His words, not mine. And then, in the same breath, he has the nerve to be like, "I hope that people will read my books and will at least stop thinking of me as a monster." Fucking crazy. I mean, I've met a couple people in my lifetime, and I mean like one or two people in my lifetime. In the twenty-four years that I've been alive, that will inflict so much pain 
but then we'll be so shocked when someone doesn't open the door for them. But this, this is like, he is like the king of that. I don't even want to say king. That's like a nice word. He's like the fucking, I don't know. He's the biggest bitch of all. I think it's just so crazy. This entire thing. He's like, I'm going to murder someone. I'm going to shoot them alive. But I'm so scared of blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to butcher her body and eat her. Oh, shit. I got to write a thank you note. I can't believe he didn't write me back. I mean, yeah. you're wrong about all the wrong things, bro. Yeah. He's alive. He's 70. Yeah. And most people look at him like he did not get punished at all for his crimes. He didn't learn. He doesn't feel remorse. And if anything, he made so much money from his crimes. And yes, he did blow all of that money on more women. But that doesn't mean anything. Like he almost acts like, what do you mean? I'm broke right now. And everyone's like, what do you mean? You made so much money after being a murderer and you blew it all on these fancy trips. So nobody feels any sympathy for you, bro. But he doesn't realize that. And he says, according to his punishment and all of that, he wished that the French would have given him the death penalty because life is so miserable. He says the feeling of being forced to make a living while being known as a murderer and cannibal is a terrible punishment. What the fuck, man? And in 2013, he was hospitalized for a cerebral infraction. Um, I think that's what they call it. It's pretty much a part of his brain that resulting from like a blockage or like your arteries kind of get skinny and it slows or decreases the supply of blood and oxygen to the brain. Okay. And it permanently damaged his nervous system. Now, a lot of people on Reddit have some theories about this. Now, these are some crazy ass theories. I'm not saying that I believe in them. But typically, cannibalism is associated with having lots of brain complications. There is a reason that humans don't look at other humans and crave them. There's, I mean, well, okay. You get it. Like, you look at a bag of hot Cheetos. You crave it. You look at KFC. You crave it. Maybe you look at some edamame. You crave it. But there is a literal primitive reason that you don't feel the need to eat fellow humans and it's embedded in your brain because your brain and your body naturally don't want to eat things that can kill you okay and eating a human can easily kill you and it usually affects the brain first like scientifically yeah that i mean i know what i just said sounds so harsh and so weird but that's what they're saying like it's scientific Okay. Like it's, it's, it just, nobody, I guess what they're saying is the science behind it is that humans are not born just like these amazing moral people. Like we're not born to be like, you know, I'm not going to eat you because it's not the right thing to do. We're born with this natural instinct to not eat other humans. And it's likely because there's so many medical issues and diseases associated with cannibalism. Got it. Right. Mm -hmm. They kind of describe it in a way of how certain animals won't eat certain bugs of a certain color, I believe, is -hmm. what they call it. Like, I forget the colors, but it's because they symbolize poison. Yeah. And it's not because they went to school or think it's the right thing to do. It's just natural. And that's how humans are. And so there's some ideas that maybe it wasn't exactly as easy breezy as they say just you know another common issue of blocked arteries in the brain Mm. maybe had something to do with the cannibalism nobody's sure again this is just a rumor Mm -hmm. and so he had permanently damaged his nervous system and now he's under the full care of his brother his brother's taking care of him full time i mean that's today's story this one was wild it's it's creepy because i think in our first 
cannibal case that we covered on this podcast was about Armin. And that one at the end was the, the big question of, you know, some people believe that he shouldn't spend the rest of his life in jail. Very few people. I'm not one of those people, but very few people. There is a group of people, though, that believe that he shouldn't spend the rest of his life in jail because the victim of the murder wanted it. He consented to it. He had written about how he wanted this. And it was such an easy thing to debate because you're sitting in the comfort of your house or your car listening to this. And Armin is in prison. Mm -hmm. But this one, he's free. Let me know your thoughts on this case. I mean, I I don't even know what to ask because every step of the way, this is just such a forked up case. How do you feel about people's perception? How do you feel about people's reaction? How is it even okay? Do you think that that adult movie was staged i i that poor girl i don't even there's so many victims in this story so but let me know what what are your thoughts and i hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast i'll see you guys next wednesday where i will enter your ear holes to tell you about another very very creepy crime bye